My role at um, work was made redundant at the end of January this year, and I've been looking for a new job ever since then. So I've had a lot of quality time to myself of late. <laughs> As Christians, we know that Jesus will be returning to earth to take us into glory with him. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. It then goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So that means we actually obviously don't know the exact time Jesus will be returning. Um, during my time off, there were two things I, I decided to do. The one was not to um, stress too much about finding another job. That's difficult, so I'm working on that one. But the other one was also not to try and overanalyze exactly what had gone wrong with my job and why I was made redundant. Um, Jesus could return tomorrow. And if he does, all of that's meaningless. I certainly don't have to worry about paying the mortgage and that kind of thing. And that led to a fairly extreme thought. Maybe what I should do is just sit at home. We've got a beautiful house. I can do the garden. I can keep it clean. Um, I can walk our dog three, four times a day if he needs it. I can just really take a chilled view and wait and see what happens. But that doesn't actually sit very well with me personally because life is a gift and living it to the full as intended both honors and pleases the giver. And besides that, I've got a bit of tread on these tires. I still want to live it out loudly and proudly. Remember the parable of the ten miners. It's in Luke chapter 19 verses 13. It's a story of a man of noble birth who upon leaving his, um, his servants unattended, basically, he tells them, put this money to work until I come back. So money is a valuable resource. It needs to be invested. It needs to be put to work. Now Jesus' investment in us on his part and on God's part actually makes us that precious investment of our heavenly Father's. Therefore, we need to be put to work to bring a good return to our heavenly investors as well. And so in a very roundabout way, that got me to, okay, how do we live our life while we wait for Jesus? And the main reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 51, for those of you who want to follow. It's not coming up on screen because my NIV version is slightly older than the one that we have on the system. So it's Matthew 24, verses 36 to 51. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So essentially there are four sections to this passage. Again, we have the promise that Jesus will be returning. In verse 39 it says, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. It then repeats that we have no idea when Jesus will actually return. Going back to verse 36 it says, No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And again in verse 42, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. There's then also a section on the selection process. And at first it seems fairly random, but it's actually not random. Those who will go up and meet with Christ in the air are going to be those who at some point in their lives will have chosen to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Those who will remain, the remainers, shall we call them, will be those who did not accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The fourth section of this passage is the call to action part in verse 42 where it says, Therefore, keep watch. And it's on this fourth part that I want to unpack a little bit this morning. And it's also this fourth part that gives my talk its title, which is make it count. So there are two stories describing the purposes of watchfulness in the passage we've just read. The first is about preparing so that you avoid a burglary. In those days, people would break literally through a wall in your house to gain access into your home. So you call to watch for that But obviously watching may not be enough on its own. Because if you've got a very large house, you may be watching the wrong walls. So you actually do need to listen as well. So watching is actually listening as well. The second story is also about the servants doing exactly what their master expects in his absence. And that's about watching our own behaviors so that it agrees with what God has planned for us. So whether we're in full view of everybody else or if we're in private, we are meant to watch ourselves. We need to be vigilant of our behavior and mindful that we are actually representing Jesus at all times. We need to maintain a framework of mind and of lifestyle that we would be happy for Jesus to find us in if he came down right now. 
Now that sounds like quite a, a tall order, fairly intimidating. But it's actually not that difficult because like any big journey, it starts with the first small step. And the first small step in that is to make a decision that you're going to try and be that kind of person, to live your life that way. When, not if we fail, all we do is we go to God and we ask him to help us in our failures and we try again and again with a sincere heart. It also means that our lives need to be in the best state of order. We are meant to keep short accounts with God and with one another. We know as Christians to never let the sun set on an unresolved dispute or an offense given. Have we addressed today's sins with God? What about yesterday's sins? Have we all told all our loved ones that we love them? Have we forgiven those who would benefit from our forgiveness? As we go to bed each night, these are things we should be thinking about and sorting out. There are other purposes for watching. To observe closely for the purposes of copying. So just as an apprentice uh, carpenter would look over the shoulder of the master carpenter to learn his trade, we are meant to be apprentices of Jesus. We should be looking into the Bible to see exactly how that's done. Another purpose of watchfulness is to raise the alarm. In biblical times, the watchman was a key figure in keeping cities, towns, and villages safe. Last night was another thing. I think it's the return of the time of the watchman. There should be people looking out. The watchman in the biblical times usually used to occupy a very high vantage point and keep antisocial hours. They could often recognize people by their styles of walking from great distance. They generally knew what fitted and what worked in every town and village that they looked after. They had a sense of, of ease about it, how things should work. Our dog Buddy knows if something is wrong when we take him on his walk in the morning. He'll bark if someone has left a dishwasher on the pavement for collection by the scrap metal merchants. He also doesn't like Chinese lanterns or hot air balloons because in his brain, fire is not meant to come from the sky. It's meant to be in the braai. <laughs> Another purpose of watchfulness is to actually try and catch people doing something right. The world is just so quick at the moment to point out shortcomings and to amplify them and to rebroadcast them. Anything of value or anything that is good is normally glossed over very quickly. The damage of criticism in our lives starts also very early in life, pretty much as soon as we can start to understand language. And basically at any point in time within our lives, we all have this account, this deposit of negativity that we're carrying. Sometimes the interest rate on that is more onerous you know, than you can almost bear. But a heartfelt and timely encouragement can count for so much more than we know and I would urge us all to be vigilant and looking for opportunities to, to see the good in each other and to talk out the good in each other and to turn that encouragement into a raging fire so that it burns up some of that dross of damage sitting in that negative account within our lives. 
Watching is also needed to mark the beginning of an event, especially where the start of that event is unknown. So never mind about a surprise birthday party for a loved one. We're talking about Jesus coming back to earth. I'll say it again, we're actually expecting Jesus to come back. I don't sense much enthusiasm here. (laughs) Perhaps it's due to our lack of preparation, but let's not lose heart. (laughs) We must not ever let fear paralyze us because we can start our preparations right now. And then we can start to eagerly await and build on that anticipation of Jesus' return. I recently read a sermon by Spurgeon on this topic as well, in which he mentioned how his dogs would eagerly anticipate his return. I couldn't resist bringing Buddy into this as well. We can always get a fantastic welcome from Buddy. He's not the greatest of guard dogs, because I'm sure he will extend that warm welcome as well to burglars, but... Whatever time we get home, however long we've been away, we can always expect that sort of sleepy-eyed, dopey, toothy grin where he comes over to you and the whole body has just been shaken by that little tail at the back. That's the kind of welcome, that's the kind of anticipation we need to be involved in, in waiting for Jesus. I'll say it one last time. We are waiting for Jesus to come back. Just quickly to recap on some of the purposes of watchfulness that I've covered this morning. It's to prevent bad things from happening. It's to ensure expectations are met. It's to prepare us. It's to copy. It's to warn. It's to respond to time pressure. That's one I didn't actually cover in the right place there. Watching also implies a sense of time, the actual physical time of day. And very often that means we need to have some recognition as well if there's urgency behind an issue. How many of us don't have unsaved loved ones? In the context of Jesus' potential return tomorrow, I think we've got our work cut out for us today. Another purpose of watchfulness is to encourage or to teach or to mark an event. It would also be helpful at this point, perhaps, to talk about what watching is not. Watching is not purely observation, only for the sake of observation. TV has taught us, you know, to sometimes look at real life as if it was entertainment. And when it's coupled with great narration and maybe with an evocative soundtrack, well, then we have great TV We've become lazy, often carrying our TV viewing habits into our daily lives. There's been much in the news lately about fake news. Now, I don't really think fake news is anything new. I think it's the same old cycle of taking things for granted and not questioning enough. We need to watch our watching with a more critical eye. We need to question things. And we actually need to wake up as well. And we need to stay awake a little bit longer. Watching and listening are both God-given senses. They are designed to inform our decision-making and therefore 
to govern our actions. So watching is not purely a spectacle, like the documentary where the cinematographer is in his hide at the watering hole, and you've got the herds of beasts coming down and what have you to the watering hole, silhouetted against the fading and the bright orange sun. And in the foreground, you have what appears to be a log, but it's actually a crocodile lying in wait. And the drama unfolds, and yet the film crew do absolutely nothing to stop the inevitable. Their job is simply to document. We, as Christians, are meant to respond in a Christ-like fashion to the promptings of God. We are living life in real reality. We are present, and we need to make our existence count. We all have roles to play in this being watchful. Don't rely on others. If you can play a role, do it. And don't do nothing, because we all know that evil thrives when good people do nothing. Always watch for opportunities to bring your testimonies, because you never know the effect they'll have on someone else's life. Watch and be ready to bring your testimonies. It says in Proverbs Chapter 8, verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorways. Let us all be a people who watch on and wait for the Lord. Folks, this is not about being super spiritual. It's about giving the promptings that we get from the Holy Spirit, our hands and our legs and every ounce of our resource. As it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 58 onwards, and to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. We are called to live holy lives so that those watching us will themselves be encouraged to do likewise. So actually those watching themselves become the watched. It's also not about being paralyzed by fear for doing the wrong things. How many times doesn't that stop us? It's actually about boldness for actually trying to do the right thing for a change. It's about the positive possibilities rather than any negatives associated with the fear of failure. We've sung it this morning. There's been many prayers about it as well. We need more faith and less fear. As far as not knowing what time Jesus is coming back, let's look at the the worst case and the best case scenario. Perhaps the best case scenario is that he comes tomorrow. If we knew that for certainty, we'd cancel the rest of our days and we'd all be busy tonight. But we don't know that. And if it isn't tomorrow, perhaps we are going to die before Jesus comes back. And in that case, what we are meant to do is we are meant to prepare those who will follow us, who will outlive us, to be watchful and to carry the banner and to train up future generations to do exactly the same. So with the risk management hat on, we can all hope for the best, but plan for the worst. So in conclusion, we have a promise that Jesus is returning. We have some tension around not knowing exactly when that's going to be. We have some certainty about the selection process itself.
And then we also have the command to be watchful while we wait. Now, as Christians, whether you've only been a Christian for the last week or if you've been a Christian for 40 years, we all have the Holy Spirit within us and we all have the Word of God to live our lives by. So let's all be encouraged to be watchful in all its forms, honestly and effectively watchful, and to act upon everything that we see and hear. Let's make it count together. Thank you.